Welcome to the Awaken, Heal, and Thrive podcast. Today, I'm very honored to have a very special guest, Zachary Adama. And Zachary is going to tell us about some incredible recent events in his life. He's recently made a major shift from being the managing partner of a law firm to becoming a plant spirit facilitator. And he's had some very interesting surprises on the way. And the inspiration I'm hoping you'll get from today's episode, if you yourself, dear listener or watcher, are kind of thinking about moving in a more authentic direction yourself, even when it's outside the mainstream, maybe Zachary's example will be inspiring to you. So welcome, Zachary. Thank you, brother. It's good to see you today. Good to see you, too. Yeah. I've known Zachary for years. Uh, we met when we were both actively studying Law of One channeled material, but our relationship has gone far beyond that in the years since. So, yeah. so now, Zachary, would you be willing to just kind of give folks uh, a broad overview of your recent journey and your major shift away from law to doing spiritual work? Sure. It, well, it all began 12 years ago. You know, I, I grew up really poor in the Appalachian Mountains in East Kentucky. I was always mystically, spiritually oriented, and I really strongly rejected sort of the Judeo-Christian fundamentalist tradition I was raised in. It really almost made me sick, you know, just going in and being in that environment. But I, I was mystically oriented. I liked to play in the woods. You know, some of the first uh, spiritual books I read were on Druidry <laughs> and, and that sort of thing. You know, my metaphysical senses weren't quite online at that point. And so I, I had this this memory of what was true, that everything was connected, everything was one, that the nat natural world was a, a doorway to spirit. But I, I wasn't able to quite feel it yet. It was just like this half-remembered memory. So I sort of, by the time high school came around, I was like, okay, I need to get serious about uh, life. <laughs> and uh, so I started, you know, made sure I studied hard and graduated at the top of my class, went to college, uh, had planned on being a doctor, um, but really didn't like that stuff. When I actually had to work to do chemistry and math, it was kind of boring to mm. me. But I fell in love with philosophy. I fell in love with history, political science and all that good stuff. And so I ended up majoring in in uh, in philosophy, minoring in international affairs. But then, you know, by junior year, I had this beautiful conversation with my mother where I was like, yeah, I'm a philosophy major. And, you know, she, and her her very grounded response was, what the hell are you going to do with that? And <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'll be a professor or a lawyer. And at the time I was studying European philosophy, modern philosophy, and all that stuff, which and getting a nice classical liberal arts education, which really turned me into a devout atheist. <laughs> and, you know, because that's the message I was getting from every side is that we live in a world of dead matter. We live in a, a world uh, that's explainable by these mechanical materialistic laws. And so everything else, uh, love, magic is all an accident or a manifestation of psychosis. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I guess I figured out philosophy. No point in going and getting a PhD in it. Uh, I guess I'll be a lawyer. I guess I'll play the game of money and power because apparently that's all there is to do. Mm. And so I put my head down and went to law school, got through that and Literally six months after passing the bar and beginning my legal career, I had this abrupt kundalini awakening mm -hmm. where 
I was just reading a mainstream article on quantum physics that talked about the universe being a great thought rather than a great clock, you know, this panpsychist idea. And literally, when I allowed myself to entertain that idea seriously and looked at my secretary at the time and thought, you too are me and believed it, my heart mm. flew wide open and just lightning bolts of bliss shot through my being. And I just blissed out and experienced ego death. Whoa. And and so for a week or two, I was just blissed out and in love with everything. But after a couple of weeks, the ego came back greatly reduced with all the spaciousness around it to ask what the hell has happened. Mm. And that's what led me to study things like the law of one. It led me to the practice of Kriya Yoga, which was my has been my root practice for the last 12 years and all these other things. And in those moments after that awakening, I sincerely wanted to run away to a monastery and just pray and meditate for the rest of my life because I lost all interest in worldly activity and I lost all worldly ambitions. Mm. But apparently my higher self knew what it was doing and it waited right until the moment I was thoroughly enmeshed in the world to wake me up. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so recognizing that I didn't have an easy out to go to a monastery or an ashram or something like that, that I had student debts, that I had a job, that I had a fiance. Mm. Uh, I was like, well, I guess the practice is to live a spiritual life in the world, to continue to cultivate my, my spiritual path, my awakening, as I do this lawyer thing, and just try to do the lawyer thing well. That was the a story, of a 10-year thing for me. Wow. Of um, from the initial awakening, being a householder yogi, practicing Kriya Yoga, having a very devoted practice there, uh, while living my life well, and and gradually reforming the personality, noticing where we're still hung up, where we still have attachment, uh, disciplining the personality, disciplining consciousness, working with desire and attachments, and, and all that stuff as I practice law. And, and lived lived an outwardly very mundane life, but an inwardly very mystical life. Hmm. Was there any conflict between what you had to do as a lawyer and your inner spirituality? Of course, you know, I was uh, one of my biggest clients was banks doing foreclosures. Hmm. Whoa. I didn't want to do that. Hmm. You know, I, I didn't want to make people homeless. I didn't enjoy that. And how I you know, justified it to myself was, well, then these contracts were made, you know, by these people who were, did so by free will and they didn't leave up, live up to the agreement and all I'm doing is enforcing it. And, right. and perhaps there is some truth in that, but also there is not much uh, leverage for the person negotiating those agreements to, to change the terms. You know, we live in a system that doesn't have a lot of free choice around those things. It's sort mm. of take it or leave it free choice within a limited range sort of thing. Right. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, there was al always conflicts there and the practice for me, especially when a, a debtor would call, you know, was to, to have compassion for them, uh, to be as helpful as I was able to be, um, and just do my job. That was a hard job, not necessarily in line with my soul in as much integrity and compassion as I could. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and that's what I did. 
but it was very difficult and, and challenging all, all along in that in that respect. And what led me to the plant medicines was was back in 2019. I was meditating with a friend uh, on a regular basis. He was interested in plant medicines. At, to that point, I had a yogi's uh, disdain for plant medicines or anything that would alter consciousness, any sort of intoxicant, or at least a suspicion of them. But I saw how much it had benefited him. And and so uh, one day, instead of meditating, uh, we worked with mushrooms and had a mushroom ceremony. Hmm. And and that turned out to be just the most beautiful experience. I had Yeshua visit, Mary, and I had the angels visit. I had the lion beings visit, the mantis beings visit. And I had all these gods and goddesses visiting, and it was just this uh, united nations of, of spiritual <laughs> beings, you know. Um, and it was just, just beautiful feelings of love and bliss and all, all of that stuff. And towards the end of that ceremony, uh, this beautiful golden tantric Tara came to me, and she mm. said, go work with ayahuasca in Peru. Mm. And I said, okay. and my friend that i did work with mushrooms with one of his mentors was don howard uh who's uh wachumero down in in peru and he ran a treat a retreat center down there and they had ayahuasca and wachuma so the next week i applied to be in uh, ayahuasca retreat uh, and wachuma for january of 2020 i ended up going down there and it was this you know, tantric reunion. It was just this incredible, incredible experience. And, you know, I had had this building conviction over the last few years uh, by 2019 that was coming, becoming really acutely painful of a calling to be of, ser- of spiritual service, to devote my life to that, to devote everything I am to that, mm. but not knowing how to get there not knowing what it was look like, not knowing what the first step would be. Mm. For years, the message I got, the steps that I needed to be taking were to do self-cultivation through my spiritual practices and, and just continue to do that, focus on that, you know, do what you need to do to make money, try to do it with integrity and compassion, but your real work is the self-cultivation practice that you're doing and in your study. It was kind of like the the time in the hermitage. By 2019, I had had several years of acute and just building urgency of a feeling that it was time for me to, to move into the direction of spiritual service. It was time for me to dedicate my life to that. You know, mm-hmm. It was time for me to step forward in service, but I did not know how. My main prayer going down to work with ayahuasca was clarity on my spiritual vocation because I had this burning desire and didn't have any idea how to do it or any, any idea what it was going to look like or how to get mm-hmm. there. In my first four ceremonies with, with ayahuasca, it was me and Kali. You know, the, the spirit of the medicine appeared to me as Kali and, and showed me that I had been a devotee of the Great Mother for many lifetimes. I was being called forward to renew a contract of service. Mm-hmm. It would be a journey. It would be a, a, a very long initiatory thing to, to, to fully fulfill that contract. But this was the opportunity here and now to say yes or no, to consent to it or not. 
And, you know, I said, hell yes, you know, <laughs> I didn't have to hesitate. I didn't know what I was getting into, didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know anything like that. I just knew that I was being called by the great mother to be of service to humanity in some way. Hmm. I was shown visions in those first ceremonies that my calling would be to serve in some capacity these medicines, I, but I did, wasn't quite ready to believe it. And I knew I wasn't anywhere near ready to do it. Working with Wachuma down there in the jungle, uh, it was a true coming home of just a melding of consciousness that happened pretty much immediately. Uh, and For another those who thing, don't know, um, yeah. you might tell them what Wachuma is. Some people may not know. Oh, yeah. Well, Wachuma is San Pedro. Uh, it's, it is a, a beautiful cactus medicine originating in the Andes. It's really associated with, with energy, with synergy and consciousness. And I often say it, it's heart medicine. It lights up the subtle body, increases the amount of energy in the subtle body uh, to sort of clear the way to get into our heart space where we experience connection and love and, and actually can interact more with the astral plane. Hmm. Also, as you work with it, it goes on up into your higher energy centers. And when I do ceremony with it, I, I do the initiation of, of the three shamanic worlds, you know, lower world, middle world, upper world. You do three ceremonies, hmm. a, break in, a day break in between them. And the cumulative effect is that you start out in the lower world and you're more in your body, you know, getting more connected and present in your body. And, and then the energy by the second ceremony is building up into the heart space you know, that's the ceremony of the middle world. So you're getting more in your heart space, getting into this state of consciousness of just loving awareness, mm. presence and loving awareness. And then as you go into the, the upper world ceremony, the energy is getting into your third eye and your crown. And at that point, you can really experience Krishna consciousness. It's mm. just this bliss and love. You, mm. know, you just get completely in that space of bliss and love. That's kind of the way it works, and that's a simplified explanation, obviously. Uh, but the, the spirit of, of Wachuma or San Pedro is uh, it's a grandfather medicine. You know, that's the archetypal consciousness associated with it. Ayahuasca, for instance, has the archetypal energy of the grandmother. Um, you know, this is the grandfather energy. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful teacher that teaches you in a way that gives you a lot of freedom to play. You know, like we, we will have an outdoor ceremony with with Bachuma where people are working with the medicine. Uh, you know, you pour the medicine and you do it in a beautiful spot that's energetically potent. And then you kind of allow people to be themselves. You, you allow people to uh, to experiment, to connect with nature, to connect with one another, to learn to sense their own energy. The grandfather energy likes to allow you to play. But then when you get quiet and when you get present and when you're able to listen, that's when Sorry, wisdom I, comes in. Yeah, he's a, he's a patient and gentle teacher in that way. That was my first experience with Wachuma. It was just this immediate blending of consciousness with the medicine. And, and I also met a dear friend while I was down there, my uh, you know Parker Sherry. Um, he was a, a apprentice of Don Howard and... Um, have been work, been living there in Peru for, for two years, and he's originally from the United States. He was actually a lawyer in a former life as well. Ah. We met down there, and, and one of the things during Wachuma ceremonies that, that happened was that I, I did, ended up doing some, some healing work uh, during ceremony. 
and 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 actually did some healing work with Parker, and he found it to be very very beneficial and effective, and 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 said it was you know the most 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 potent Wachuma experience of his life, uh, working in that healing way. We stayed friends, but you know went back to the United States, and even on my way back to the United States, talk of COVID was happening. Mm. You know, COVID was was starting to emerge as this big global thing, and. So I, I came back to the United States in early January after working with the medicines. And then lo and behold, by uh, March, the world got shut down mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least shooken up, you know. And I, I literally went from being stuck in an office 60 hours a week doing work uh, to having all the spaciousness and working from home and you know, life just got completely shaken up, and 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 new possibilities started to emerge. Parker and I stayed friends, and we continued to do medicine work together. Um, and then uh, by uh, the fall of 2021, a thing was coming on our radar of a possibility to start a medicine church outside of Austin, and he asked me to join him in that work. And I was, uh, uh, I didn't, I, I didn't know that it, whether it was the, where we were going with that church was the destination, but I knew it was the next step, mm-hmm. you know? And so I said, yes. And, and that began my career, so to speak, at the beginning of, of 2022, uh, serving medicine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that's, that's a long story in some ways of how I got there. Uh, or got here. It's, it's interesting because it was very much about listening, listening for one inspired action at a time, and 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 acting on it going forward, without attachment to outcome, not knowing where it was going to end up, uh, just knowing that that's what I needed to do right now. You know, I needed to go down to Peru and, and work with ayahuasca and wachuma, and you know, nothing happened immediately after that. Uh, but you know, by March, the whole world was turned upside down (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, or right side up, however you want to look at it. And then, you know, that, that friendship and that connection with Parker revealed the path of service. And, you know, during those ceremonies we had at at the church earlier in this year, facilitating those Wachuma, um, ceremonies. It became very clear to me in um, completely unambiguous terms uh, that the reason I was in a human body was to do that work. Mm. The reason I was in a human body was to serve in that way. Wow. That clarity has been my North Star ever since. The Wachuma Church we started down outside of Austin ended up coming apart by April due to some internal conflicts of the people funding it and stuff. and. And it was fine. We were happy to leave. There was a lack of alignment there. But we had some beautiful healing, beautiful ceremonies down there and started forming a beautiful community. When things fell apart there, there was obvious there was this question mark or, or, that hung over me. It was like, well, Spirit load, laid out the red carpet to, to enter onto this path of service. You know, at the medicine church down there, I had a salary and security and I was also doing some legal work. And everything just got tied up perfectly with the law practice and put a bow on it. And, mm. you know, cases that had been going on five years ended mm. at the end of 2021. 
and I was able to walk away from the law firm and give my interest to my law partner with just very little effort. It was just, it was just like the exit sign was there. Everything was perfect. I was going to this salaried job down in Austin where I was going to be able to serve medicine and do legal work, helping run the nonprofit and all this. So it was an easy yes. Mm-hmm. And then we had, you know, four months of serving the medicine there. I got this dazzling clarity that serving the medicine was, while I was in a human body, it is what I came to do. That the, this medicine path was my purpose for being here and how I could most hi- serve in the highest way. And, and then the security fell away. Mm. The training wheels came off. And then the question arose, what now? And I had the temptation, I had the thought very briefly that well, maybe, maybe the thing to do is to go back to practicing law. And that, I call that my dark night of the soul, because I, I actually explored some of those possibilities. I, you know, I applied uh, half-heartedly for a job as an assistant U.S. attorney and just sent in my resume, no cover letter, didn't think much about it. And then Parker and I were, got together and, and, you know, was like, well, I think we should try to continue the work. What does that look like? And uh, we thought about that a bit, and then we ended up uh, starting Smiling Jaguar Retreats, um, which uh, we facilitate, you know, shamanic immersives, medicine work. And we were having our our first immersive in Sedona. I believe it was, was June. And lo and behold, I got an email a week before that from the U.S. Attorney's Office saying, hey, you've been selected for an interview to be a U- assistant U.S. attorney, and it'll be next week while you're in Sedona. Whoa. And I was like, oh, thanks for that spirit, for helping me refine my intention and my commitment. <laughs> and it was an easy, uh, I, you know, I didn't have to think twice about it. I, you know, I always say that I often use my calendar conflicts as a way of discerning my priorities. Mm. And and so I was like, well, that's an easy one. Uh, I shot back, you know, I'll be busy next week. I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm no longer interested in this position. And so we ended up having our, our first immersive down there in Sedona. Had a beautiful time. And, and after that, we ended up going, uh, leading a group down uh, to Peru to, on a Wachuma pilgrimage with uh, a teacher and maestro we work with down there, Don Martin, uh, for two weeks. And, and it was just a, a transformative, incredible experience. And we had some other events and the medicine work was going well. Our retreats were filling up and very optimistic about, about the path and, the, and everything that was unfolding. And then uh, a tragedy struck again in mm. October, in early October. Um, I was I was at home making medicine for one of our upcoming retreats, and I got a call from a friend saying that my brother, my my partner in the medicine, uh, Parker, had been in a an accident, in a diving mm. accident, and had had suffered suffered um, injury. And, you know, initially you're just kind of stunned and like, okay, I I don't know what's happening and I don't know how to react to it. So I'm just going to observe. And um, I was scheduled to, I had planned on going to Tamara to do a workshop there on intentional community. And I ended up uh, canceling that and flying down to Austin uh, to where Parker was. And 
um, turned out, you know, in, as a result of a diving accident while swimming, he, he broke his neck and, and was going to be a quadriplegic with a breathing tube. Mm. Um, or he could, you know, not do the surgery and, and just leave his body. And he was lucid and aware enough to say, you know, I, I choose to leave my body. Um, and two days after the accident, uh, he, he transitioned, he, he, he had his ascension. And um, he he left in a beautiful way, showing us how to die with grace, you know, surrounded by by literally hundreds of people came to see him in the hospital to wish him well. And he was just I know, you know, him, he knew him and he's just such a, a beautiful, loving man and, and just um, uh, a true shakaruna. But he went out on a wave of love. And then again, the question arose soon after. What now? Mm. Another set of training wheels came off. You know, having that partner in the medicine, uh, you know, that that was no longer there. Question. So what were what were each of you doing in the ceremony? What was his role? What was your role up to that point? You know, what emerged from that was that, you know, I was making the medicine and pouring the medicine and, and doing a lot of uh, doing a lot of the healing work. And mm-hmm. and he was and was uh, just absolutely phenomenal at um, forming at com- forming community facilitating in that in that way and and also facilitating in ceremony and helping in ceremony and stuff and you know our ceremonies we did them together but he was the heart and soul of of the outreach of of building community of of gathering people into ceremony uh you know to and and sort of convening them and that sort of thing and reaching out to people and the partnership that emerged was I, i really focused on the medicine i focused on the healing and you know, in ceremony and and and, the, and that and that sort of stuff, and he focused on on the building community, the convening of of the uh, of the ceremonies and getting the people and and all that sort of stuff. And he was very very much a people person and mm. uh, just loved people, loved loved connecting, loved building community, and that was where his passion was. And 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 uh, and my passion was the medicine and the healing part of things. Mm-hmm. And and we had obviously we had lots of overlap. It was a, a beautiful partnership in the sense that I could fully say, I trust you to do that and I don't have to worry about it. Mm, sweet. The, the same as he could say, I trust you to do that and I don't have to worry about it, about my part of things. We had a, a true and beautiful partnership and friendship in the medicine. And then when he left his body, you know, there was that question there, what now? Mm-hmm. You know. Again, I had the thought, well, maybe, maybe I need to go back and practice law. Maybe that's what the universe is telling me. You know, maybe I need to try to find a safer path. I literally, when I had that thought, I felt like I was crawling into my own grave. You know, mm. it was like, you know, that's not why you came to be here. That's not why you're in a human body. Mm. And what would you be serving if you did that? You'd be mm. serving your own desire for comfort, your own desire for the known, your own desire for for some illusory stability. Mm. And that's not who you came to serve. You you came mm. to be of service to others. And so I decided to continue on with the work and and have done so and we've continued to have ceremony we're about to leave for peru here in a, about a week um be working with grandmother down there and then then wachuma with the, doing the wachuma pilgrimage again um and um have ceremonies uh that are building up throughout all of next year my my calendar's filling up with with ceremonies some you know more private some some more open We'll be returning to uh, Sedona in April, 
I should interject here because you're giving time references. We're recording this on December 27, 2022, in case anyone's right. wondering, what, what's he referring to in terms of actual <laughs> times here? <laughs> yeah, so it's, we're, we're, we're meeting at that beautiful time between, between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. You know, between, <laughs> between the old and the new, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's been the journey, brother, and it's uh, been a path of initiation for sure. I haven't hardly said a word because your monologue has been just fascinating. I, said, <laughs> I don't need to put my words in here just yet. So now it's time. Yeah. Um, thank you for being so eloquent. Yeah, thank you, brother. Um, some, uh, what I'm trying to do here is anticipate what are the listeners of you is going to be wondering about as they hear all this. And one question that might be arising for them is people might be under the impression to be a plant spirit shaman takes years and years of dedicated training and deep immersion. Yeah. And this. My God, the guy just started doing San Pedro and all of a sudden he's serving it. How, what qualifies yeah. him to do that? Can you yeah. address that? Well, it's complicated. And I honestly have at times had some imposter syndrome around that because I would not have stepped forward to, to do that myself. Mm -hmm. I, I did it because I was asked. Um, I was, I, I was asked by my brother Parker who had, you know, been, uh, been, uh, an apprentice of a Wachumero down there in the jungle mm -hmm. for several years. I stepped forward to serve in that way because I was asked. Mm. And I honestly, I had to work through a lot of my own internal resistance to it. Um, you know, initially the resistance was, well, I'm a yogi, I'm not a shaman. Mm. You know, that, uh, you know, and so and I was had some internal tension between those two things. And 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 then I was also had, well, you know, what qualifies me to do this work? I had some belief that you, you really should be an indigenous person to do this work. I'm the I'm the wrong color. You mm. know, I have I have the wrong wrong genes to do this work. Mm. And so I had I had all those thoughts arise around it. Yet the medicine was telling me something different mm. and i also had this invitation from my brother parker who i trusted and I, I trusted his experience with the medicine i've only been working with plant medicines about four years uh, i've been on a dedicated spiritual path in this lifetime for at least 12 mm -hmm. you know uh, the yoga the kriya yoga path i've been on working with the kundalini energy and different things uh, you know, I was working with energy and doing healing work years before I started working with plant medicines. Mm. You know, I've been doing healing work in that way for about seven years. The plants were sort of the next step. Mm -hmm. You know, I was already doing the healing work, working with energy, transmuting energy, doing work that looks shamanic. And then the plants found me and they're like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's be partners, you know. It makes me wonder. Um, one realization that's gotten a lot stronger for me in the last year or so on my own path is yeah. that if you do your own personal work of healing and awakening mm -hmm. and you become transparent enough for mm -hmm. the divine forces to work through, yeah. then the need for a lot of specific training and apprenticeship is less or non-existent. And yeah. if you're open and clear enough, then whatever you need to do can be channeled through you in the moment. That's absolutely right. That's what I found, you know, the, the Kriya Yoga practice I've been engaged in has been one of self-emptying. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been a practice of becoming a hollow bone for spirit. Mm. You know, that's, that's been the path that I've been on for 12 years. Mm. And by the time I got to plant medicines, 
I really didn't have a lot of personal work I needed to do as far as like healing trauma and stuff like that. There continues to be healing. There continues to be teaching. Mm -hmm. It feels more like teaching. Mm. But, you know, I continue to learn from them. But I didn't have this long path of needing to do healing personal work in order to be a hollow bone and merge my consciousness and be a conduit for the consciousness of the medicine. Okay. And so, uh, like you were saying, and so the way it worked for me, and and you played a big part in this, was that I got the invitation from my brother Parker to serve medicine with him. I knew I was not prepared. I knew there was something else I needed to do to be prepared. Mm. Spirit told me to go visit uh, Asheville, where you live, and lo and behold, at the potluck, you introduced me to a mutual friend of ours who serves medicine, you know, grandmother medicine. And I, I had seen what, how, how beautifully you had unfolded since you had been doing that work. And I was like, there's something to that. I, mm -hmm. I need to go see what that's about. And, and setting with grandmother uh, almost monthly uh, mm -hmm. for a year uh, before, you know, is what, what prepared me to serve. Mm. And, you know, she showed me the ins and outs. She showed me uh, all these different you know, ways of working with energy and consciousness and taught me how to serve uh, the grandfather medicine. Wow. Yeah. And so she's been she she's been a huge teacher there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to report similar experience. Um, my life has been profoundly transformed by working with Mother Ayahuasca myself. And yeah. There's no way I could do a fraction of what I do now if it weren't for her. Yeah, so. yeah. She teaches us how to serve. Yeah, she's yeah. she's all about that. Yeah, yeah. She really does. Mm. I'm getting teary here. <laughs> <laughs> it just means the heart is overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, it's a good feeling actually. Yeah. So, um, as you move forward, it sounds like your the financial security you thought you had has has gone away. There's no paid gig yeah. like there was initially. Right. Uh, but it, but you're saying your your gigs are booking up for 2023, and yeah. it sounds like you've got a, a financial foundation where you're going to be able to support yourself by doing the the plant spirit work and and the related mm -hmm. you know shamanic and spiritual stuff, right? Yeah, it yeah. seems to be the case, and it, it's it all seems to be shaping up, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But but, you know, and it's it's been an interesting journey because at times there is the fear that enters and to, to like, well, am, you know, will I be supported? Mm. You know, that fear arises. Will I be supported? Mm -hmm. And and I've you know, I've always had this um, part of me, this renunciant part of me that really just wants to put on, you know, a monk's robes and, and, and just go into a hermitage or an ashram and, and just, just re renounce all attachment and, 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 and the householder lifestyle. Cause honestly, the only interest I have in being in the world is to be of service. Mm. I, I really, most of the stuff that happens in the world as at, at the human level is kind of boring to me. It's just not that interesting. I love nature and I, I love, I love spiritual community and I love seeking, you know, my continuing to so cultivate my own awakening. Mm -hmm. But, but there's not many things in the world at the level of human desire that interest me. Yeah. I remember you, you sent out a newsletter mm -hmm. just recently talking about 
a forced stopover in Las Vegas because right. a flight got delayed and you were just bored stiff. You couldn't wait to get out of there. I was, I was really <laughs> bored. I was so bored. And I don't, I don't know if it's a matter of purity or lack of imagination. <laughs> I may just not have enough imagination, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, I spent $200 uh, on the slot machines and it was the most boring video game of my life. Oh, wow. And because hmm. I didn't care if I won or lost. Oh, it was it did not matter one way or the other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so having that monastic aspect of my being, I was like, okay, so you want to renounce the world and you're happy, happy to to go forward and get your sustenance from a begging bowl. Mm -hmm. But why do you have resistance to this? Mm, Right. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're if if you want to be a monk with a begging bow, why 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 do you have resistance to the risk inherent in this path of service where you're depending on those you serve to support you? Mm, good point. And so I was like, you know, if I have to, I will be the monk with the begging bow. But and I'm willing to go. I'm I'm willing for it to get to that if it needs to, mm. because otherwise I really don't. I'm I'm letting go of those attachments to comfort and security, mm. and 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 what material resources I have, I wish to use them in a devotional way, in service to others. Mm. You know, classic law of one service to other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if someone's watching this and they're thinking, well, it's fine for that guy, um, <laughs> but as someone who's feeling the call to us, whatever their own form of service is, whether mm-hmm. it involves plant spirit or not, just what uh, there's so many gazillion ways to show yeah. up and serve yeah. as each person is uniquely guided. Um, do you have any thoughts you can share with those people from your own experience that can give them any comfort or confidence in moving forward in this sometimes really scary, non-traditional yeah. way? The first thing is to listen, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, continue to listen to spirit, listen to intuition and and just listen to that and step forward in faith and trust and uh, and just follow the breadcrumbs so to speak beyond that is continue to do your your personal work mm-hmm. that's the most important thing you can do um if you wish to be a spiritual service you must be fit for service so continue to do your spiritual work prioritize that if you feel if you're in a place where you don't know what else you can possibly do in order to step into your mission, double down on your personal work. Mm. Continue to get clearer and clearer and more established in your true self, in your awakened presence. So you know, do your spiritual practices, listen, follow the breadcrumbs, follow intuition. Also recognize that in my experience, you know. There is, this is a path of initiation. You will be tested mm-hmm. because, it, and, and the bigger the mission that you're stepping forward into, the more severely you will be tested. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my experience, the spiritual path ultimately is one of renunciation, whether you're in an ashram or you're in the world. And, Perhaps it's easier to give up our attachments to things when they're not available to us. Hmm. You know, when we're in the security of an ashram, which can become a prison, mm-hmm. a spiritual prison, it can be really easy to give up sex when there's no sexy people around. 
Yeah. You know, or your attachment <laughs> to sex, rather, because I don't think there's anything wrong with sex, but it's our mm -hmm. attachment to it can be problematic sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, easy, it's easy to eat that healthy diet and give up alcohol and gambling and all that stuff when it's not available to you. Mm -hmm. But when you can walk in the world and with all of its temptations, all of its beauty and all of its ugliness and look around and say, even with this buffet before me, all I truly want to do is be of service. All I truly want to do is to do those things that make me more awake, more conscious. All I want to do is to let go of everything that's not true. All I want to do is to be more at one with the infinite creator. Mm. That's true renunciation. Mm. That's renunciation without a shadow. Mm. And from the side of it, you're not giving up anything that's actually important. And what you're gaining is mm. just valuable beyond imagination. Infinite love, infinite bliss, infinite joy, infinite peace. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard to get bored with that. True. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you. Mm. Mm. I'm feeling our vibe and feeling a possible sense of moving toward completion here. But I want to yeah. check. What more do you feel wants to be said before we move toward closure here? Just that I love and appreciate you, brother. Oh. Uh, love and appreciate you and all you do. I appreciate your dedication to being of, of service. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate your attention to the details. And I appreciate your, uh, your, your, uh, your mastery in mastering the details of that are the technical things that are, are necessary to be of service. And, um, you know, you've, you've been a, a beautiful uh, friend and, and guide on the path. And and um, I'm just really grateful for you. And I love you and Spirit Song. And, you know, I'm just honored to have you both a part of my life. Oh, well, I can assure you the feeling is totally mutual. You inspire mm -hmm. me. And seeing you move so courageously into this path, you know, just diving in so completely is an inspiration mm -hmm. to me on my own path. So yeah, thank, thank you, you for inspiring me. Appreciate that. And uh, if someone wants to get involved with you, if they're, you know, oh, I might be interested in one of his trips or what, yeah. somehow, how would they contact you? Um, they can go to ZacharyAdama.com. Um, you better spell that. Want yeah, Zachary Adama, Z Z Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y, Adama, A-D-A-M-A.com. If they want to do some sort of, of uh, individual sessions or healing work with me. Uh, if they're interested in in the immersives and the retreats, that would be smilingjaguar.com. Um, and the best way to do that is to join our newsletter. Um, and that's where I, I tend to advertise our upcoming events. Okay. And I also have uh, the story of the medicine, and the story of my own medicine work in there, too. So, mm, nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Any other loose ends at all before we call it a wrap? I don't think so. Thank you so much. It's uh, I just feel the energy is so exquisite right now. So yeah, thanks yeah. for I've known you a long time and your your energy just gets more and more amazing over the years. Yeah, so yeah. you too, bro. Fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for being on Awaken Heal and Thrive, Zachary. Thank you, Benjamin. Talk soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might also like my free online mini course. It's called Instant Divine Assistance, your free guide to fast and easy awakening and healing. 
It'll teach you how to invoke your own embodied awakening and healing and put it all into a simple daily practice. You can also check out my best-selling book that develops these ideas further. It's also called Instant Divine Assistance. In its first week, it hit number one on Amazon in 11 categories and has tons of five-star reviews. Finally, I have an online membership called Awakening Plus, where you can significantly speed up your spiritual evolution. Its slogan is also the name of this podcast, Awaken, Heal, and Thrive. You'll find links to all this wonderful stuff in the show notes.